0: Um, so firstly, I thought it would be good for me to just share a little bit about who I am Because as we, um, as we see God together and as I share what's on my heart I think that's um, it's probably quite important So first and foremost, I am from Hampshire I was born in a town called Basingstoke um, God's own place, it's, it's wonderful really and, um, and my mum, my brother and my stepdad still, still live there Um, I lived there for the first 18 years of my life and I became a Christian when I was 16 years old and um, it was whilst I was at a Christian camp called New Wine and I was going through a really difficult time in my life and I prayed a very simple prayer and I said, Lord, if you are real, will you show yourself to me? And at that moment I had never experienced so much peace like before and I gave my life to Christ. It was a very kind of, it it was a very, long maturing process though in in faith and eventually when I was 18 years old I started to get a bit more serious about my faith and I I started asking questions like, Lord, what is it that you have called me to do? What is it you have called me to be and where have you called me to go? And it was that extraordinary journey um, that led me um, to eventually receiving a calling to go to Russia. And I went to Russia at the age of 18 with, um, with an organization called YWAM, Youth a Mission. And, um, and before you question my sanity, it was one of the best decisions I ever made, because that's where I met my wonderful wife, Megan. And um, we've been married since 2013, I think I've got that right. <laughs> 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 And, um, and so we lived in, in, in Russia, I was there for two and a half years. And whilst I was there, I, I started realising, actually, um, maybe I need to get some more, some more training, some more Bible training um, for, for future ministry. And that's how we started looking into going to Bible colleges in the UK and in America initially. Um, but we decided it would be good to take a, to take a few years out to go to Spurgeons. And so we came to the UK in September 2014. And, um, and that's how I'm here standing before you today because that's where I met Rich so that's a little bit about, about my journey in a nutshell there's, there's a lot more and I hope that we can get to know each other a little bit more after the service so this morning we are looking at um, Jonah, uh, Jonah chapter 2 and the title for this morning is Finding Joy from the Pits of Uncertainty now to get us thinking about uncertainty and about this I wanted to start by asking us a question, and that question is, what is an absolute certainty in the life of a human? What is it that we are all guaranteed to experience at some point in our lives? Does anybody have any ideas at all? Death, yes. Yes, we are all guaranteed to experience death at some point in our life. Anything else? Anybody got any other ideas? Joy? joy hopefully. yes hopefully. hopefully yes hopefully we're all guaranteed to experience joy we're, we're guaranteed to, to experience any, um, some kind of feeling anyway absolutely anything else? it starts to get hard doesn't it because we can name a few things um, we're guaranteed to experience death at some point we're guaranteed to experience some kind of feeling if not joy at some point but actually we realise that actually in our lives there, there, there are a lot of things that are incredibly uncertain. And actually, some of us here this morning, we're probably experiencing a lot of uncertainty. There may be some people here who are uncertain about their jobs. You may have heard rumours about redundancies going on. Maybe some people here are uncertain about our grades and we don't know what our future is going to look like. Maybe there's some people here this morning who are uncertain about their health or the health of a loved one. We bring so much uncertainty. We have so much uncertainty in our lives. And we're all uncertain as to how long we're going to be blessed with the gift of life on this earth. We just don't know a lot of things. And in fact, there are a lot of things that are out of our hands. And so how we deal with uncertainty is a very important part of our Christian journey. In uncertain times we may find that we respond in different ways initially. We might respond by trying to become controlling of the situation. We we may try and take the situation and people and things into our own hands. Because we're scared of uncertainty. Sometimes we may find that we become really anxious we spend our whole time worrying about a situation. I'll put my hand up and say that I tend to be the latter. And actually, at this current moment in time, there's there's so much that I'm unsure about. I'm unsure about the future. I don't know what it's gonna look like. I don't know what's gonna happen when I finish college. And actually, whilst I try to be excited about that, that the fact that God could send me anywhere to do anything, it's actually very unsettling. It actually makes me very nervous, and that's what uncertainty can do to us. Now for extreme times of uncertainty, um, I once heard a very wise friend tell me that sometimes the very best thing that you can do in the face of uncertainty is throw back your head, open your mouth, and laugh just because you are alive. And actually, it may seem a very simple approach to uncertainty, but, but I still find something very profound about that. I find something very real about that. And in this chapter um, of Jonah chapter 2, Jonah, he finds himself in a very, very uncertain situation. I don't think it's any laughing matter, but he ultimately he finds himself in the belly of a fish. And he's not sure whether he's going to live or whether he's going to die in the belly of the fish. And so in chapter 1, we can read how Jonah he received a call from God reminding us here how he, how he ended up in the belly of a fish. And he got a call to, to God excuse me, to go to this evil city of Nineveh. And this evil city and the Ninevites, they were an incredibly incredibly evil people. They did the most horrific things imaginable to people that they caught, to their slaves. Um, if you if, if you open up any kind of detailed Bible commentary, um, it certainly doesn't hold back on the gory details. But God sent Jonah to go to them, because God wanted to give that people a chance to be reconciled (coughs) with him. But Jonah didn't want that, because Jonah wanted God to destroy these evil people, so he went about in, in, in the opposite direction, which meant getting on a boat to a city called Tarshish. And it was while that he was on the boat going to Tarshish that God sent this massive storm upon Jonah and the crew. And so, whilst they were probably trying to throw stuff overboard, they were trying to um, get the ship steady on these riding waves, the sailors eventually came to Jonah and started quizzing him, saying, What is it that you have done? Where are you from? Who are you? And they realised that it was all Jonah's fault that this storm was upon them. And so, the only way to calm this storm, it seemed, was to throw Jonah overboard. And when you get thrown overboard of a ship in the middle of the storm, I think it's probably assumed that you're going to die. Fair to say, some very uncertain times for Jonah, although probably self-inflicted. He has no idea whether he's going to live or die. One absolutely extraordinary story. Some people would find this part of the story so hard to believe. Could could somebody really survive for three days in the belly of a fish? And actually some people would, in fact, argue that this absolutely is impossible and, and see this story as just a metaphor for, how, for what happens to us if we disobey God. However, without we dwelling on it too much, I personally do not have a problem believing this story. Because I find that God's mercy, God's wanting and longing to be reconciled with the most evil of people, a far bigger miracle than the belly of the fish, as impressive as that is. But tell me, however, um, Jesus actually finds this account to be true in, in the book of Matthew in Matthew chapter 12, verses, um, verse 40, where he talks about how, um, that's not the right page, there we go. He talks about um, how how the Son of Man will be in the the ground for three days and three nights. And he compares that to Jonah as, as to how long he was in the belly of the fish. And so if it's good enough for Jesus, then I think I can say it's almost good enough for me. Anyway, I thought that it would have been fun. It, it would be fun to look into the science of how somebody could survive in the belly of a fish. So, firstly, we need to ask the question: Was there a fish at the time of Jonah that we know that was capable enough of swallowing a human? Well, the answer to that question is an emphatic yes. Now, according um, to a lady called Grace Kellogg in her book, The Bible Today. There were two known species um, at the time of Jonah who would have been able to gobble up a human. Now the first is called a Bale musculus, and the second is a sulfur bottom whale, also known as a bloom whale. Um, some massive, massive creatures. And um, yeah, it's, they, they look absolutely extraordinary. But there have also been reports of how, of how people have been swallowed by whales. And um, I have a report here. You can decide for yourself whether it's true or not, because I did get it off the internet. But there is none less than a report from a ship called the Star of the East off the coast of the Falkland Islands. Now, when the crew of this ship, they were out looking for whales, they saw this group of whales, and they, and they went after them. And they managed to harpoon one of the whales, not realising quite the size of it. And when they harpooned it, the whale kind of struck out against them. And one of the sailors got knocked overboard. And as the crew were were looking for their friend, um, he wasn't coming. He wasn't coming back to the surface. And so they started looking for some more, and the minutes passed by, and the hours passed by, and he still wasn't there. So they, they went back to land, having lost their sailor friend. Now, some time later, they were walking along the coast. And as they were walking along the coast, they saw this giant whale that had washed up, um, that had washed up on the beach. So they went to the whale, and they realised that it was probably the whale that they had tried to harpoon because it had some injuries. And um, they started stripping off the fat, because um, I guess that's what, is, um, that's what is valuable to them. And as they got to the belly of this whale, Um, They came across their their fisherman friend, they came across their fellow sailor. And so they got him out of the belly of this whale, and they stretched him along the beach, and they splashed seawater over him. A nice way to wake somebody up. And they found that in fact he wasn't dead, he was unconscious. But the report goes that actually their friend was almost unrecognisable because his skin was so wrinkled that it looked like he'd been parboiled. And it, and it had been bleached, a kind of deathly white colour with brown patches all over it. And as well as that, he had lost all of his hair. Um, all this because of the whale's digestive juices. It starts to paint a really grim picture of how Jonah may have looked like after being in the belly of this fish. And yet Jonah talks about how this was actually his salvation of how, of, of how God saved him. I don't know about you, but I don't really call this deliverance. But in so much uncertainty, it's amazing because Jonah was able to find some kind of peace. He was able to find some kind of joy. Because you have to be able to have joy in order to give God praise. And as he was in this large fish, he started giving God thanks. And he started praising God ...for this deliverance that that he had. And I find that so hard to believe. I find it so hard to believe... ...that after all Jonah went through... ...by being called to go to this evil city of Nineveh... ...facing a storm... ...and being disobedient to God... ...being thrown overboard... ...and now sitting inside of this fish. I find it really hard. I think I would find it really hard to praise God. But what's even more remarkable... Is that Jonah? He gives an indication as to where he thinks he is at. When Rich read um, read the Bible passage, it talked about how Jonah um, was was speaking to Yahweh from from the grave. In my version, the NRSV, it talks about praising Yahweh from the depths of Sheol. And Sheol is the Old Testament place of the dead, the deep place. Where all flesh goes when it is dead, never ever to return again. That is where Jonah thinks he is. That is where he thinks he's never going to return most likely. And yet, he still gives God praise. But what I think surprises me even more is the fact that this is real genuine joy. This isn't the warm kind of fuzzy feelings of happiness that are temporary. But it's it's a deliberate choice of Jonah not to ignore the difficult circumstances that he was facing but to see that God is bigger and that God is still worthy of praise no matter what he was going through. And so, you see, I, I think that there's often confusion between joy and happiness. Happiness is circumstantial. And it depends on what is going on in our lives. It comes and goes. We feel happy when we're with our loved ones. We feel happy um, when we're out with our friends. Hopefully we feel happy when we're together at church. It's circumstantial. It comes and goes. But joy is different. Joy in God is different. It's more of a deep contentedness in our relationship with God. And that is everlasting. That doesn't depend on our circumstances, at least it doesn't have to depend. Happiness is a feeling, but having joy is a choice that can only be found in God. Now, before I came to London to study um, at Spurgeons, um, as I said before, Megan and I were living in Russia, where we were with BiWAM working as missionaries. But similar to a situation that we're in now, as we're trying to think about the future, we were also um, trying. We, we were also facing uncertain time, transitioning, um, coming to London, because there was so much that we had to sort out. There was so much that we had to get right. And at that time, when we knew we were coming, all we knew was that we were going to come here, and I was going to study. And so there were questions like, where will we live? Um, what will this mean for our finances? Where will Meghan work? What visa should we be trying to get for Megan? And all these things are happening at the same time. So much uncertainty. And then in the uncertainty, you start to get the what if questions. Well, what if this doesn't work out? What if that doesn't work out? What if we don't have enough money? What if Meghan can't get her visa? What if, what if, what if, what if? But what if God does work it out in the end? He did work it out. But it was a very challenging time. It was a very uncertain time. And I would love to stand here before you and say that I was able to find joy, I was able to find so much peace in that uncertainty. But to be perfectly honest with you, there's little joy. I really had to search for it. I really had to battle to find it. I really had to battle against the feelings of anxiety, against the feelings of stress. And so I wish that, although Jonah was a perfect, far from it, I still could have learnt some of the things that I think Jonah was teaching us in this psalm about always praising God, about always trusting him, about being real with God. And so sometimes when we face these, these kind of uncertainties, as we try to deal with these things, we can come we can come across as though everything is fine, we can look like we're all right on the outside, but actually inside we might really be struggling. We might really be having a hard time and nobody can ever know about it. And I think for these kind of times there are things that Jonah can teach us practically. And I think firstly what Jonah can teach us is that In order to find real joy, in order to find real peace, we have to be genuine with ourselves and with God. If you are struggling and if you are having a difficult time with your circumstances, then don't try and cover them up forever. We will never be able to experience true joy and peace if we spend our whole lives pretending that we are okay. And I know that this is often one of the hardest things to do because us Brits, we like to have the stiff upper lip and all that. But there was one day that I was um, making dinner for Megan and myself and I was happily peeling some potatoes. Yes, happily. I do like to cook every now and then. And as I peeled peeled all these potatoes, they all look round, the same kind of colour, the same kind of shape and I started cutting them up and putting them in the boiling water. And then when I cut through this one potato, I noticed that the inside of it it was all black, it was dark, it was soft, it was rotten, it was smelly. And it took me by surprise because on the outside it looked perfectly good, it looked perfectly wonderful. And then I took the scraper and I, and I got all the rotten part out of this potato. And in the end all that was left was just the outer shell, nothing else. And by that point it was hardly worth putting it in the boiling water. It was hardly good for anything. And so in the same way, if we try to think that the difficulties and the various uncertainties that we face in life do not affect us, then we may find that it starts eating us out from from the inside. And before we know it, all that's left may just be the outer shell. And so it's important that we are able to allow God to the most inner parts of our lives. Because if we keep him out, then we may find that we go rotten. But I want to say that the good news today is that whatever it is that you are facing, whatever uncertainty you are trying to battle with right now, God already knows about it. And it may not feel like he is with you, but I believe that, that, that he is. And I also believe that God is just one simple step away from ministering to you today. I believe that God wants to heal us. I believe that if we just indicate to God that that we want him into the most scary parts of our lives, the most delicate part of our lives, the most uncertain part of our lives, he's there. But don't get me wrong, because I'm not saying that we need to go around telling everybody with what we struggle with because we have to be wise. There's a time and a place for that. There's the right people and the right time to share. But the real way to deal with this properly, the real way to be genuine with God and ourselves is to pray. It is the first thing that we see that Jonah does in the belly of the fish in verse 2. But it took so much drama before that. It took so much to happen before Jonah would, would, would actually pray. Even the pagan sailors, even the sailors who did not believe in chapter one as a storm was upon them, they told Jonah to pray to his God. But yet there's no record of how Jonah, of, of whether Jonah did that or not. And so the main reason why Jonah ended up in the belly of the fish, it was because of his disobedience, but it was also directly linked to him being out of the habit of praying, being out of the habit of of praying to God and seeking God's will in the situation so I'd like to gently encourage you um, to speak to someone that you trust today possibly one of your leaders or rich um, or just somebody that you feel you can really confide in and have them pray with you so that you can face this with God together because in our Christian world we can't just expect ourselves to feel happy all the time because that's just not reality. Our circumstances will never be perfect. But this is a safe place. I believe that this is a safe place. Church is a safe place where we can come, where we can do business with God. We can come before Him and we can share our feelings with God and everything that we are struggling with because this is not a museum where all the fit and healthy and spiritually mature people are on display. But this is more like a hospital, a place where the broken, a place where those that need healing can come and can receive that and can receive God's refreshing touch. In this psalm we hear how Jonah is getting real with God. He's getting very real about his circumstances. He's not pretending that everything is okay. But he is having a dialogue with God, recognizing difficulties that he is facing, and admitting that he is struggling, admitting that he's struggling to stay alive. But secondly, in order to find true joy with God in difficult times, is that we can learn from Jonah that finding true joy is learning that whilst all our circumstances may change, whilst whilst everything may change in an instant in our lives, God never does. God is always perfect in everything. He, and He was perfect yesterday, today, and tomorrow. One of the extraordinary things about this psalm is that Jonah is still in imminent danger, yet he is praising Yahweh for His deliverance. He is still in the fish, and he is unsure as to what the future holds, because there is not yet any sign or indication that there's light at the end of the tunnel. Yet Jonah's knowledge of God's faithfulness is paramount, as he seems to still be happy to trust God, still still willing to trust God in everything that is going on here. Even though he may be in the depths of shoal, he's still trusting God. Even though he may never see the light of day, he's still able to trust God. I have no idea how you do that. And even though Jonah was never guaranteed safety, he was still able to remember and praise God, as we see in verse 7. He did not let his circumstances get in the way of worshipping God. He did not let his circumstances get in the way of praising him. But how often can that be the opposite experience for me? How often can that be the opposite experience for us? In that our circumstances (coughs) dictate the strength of our relationship with God. Our circumstances dictate how much praise God receives. And I know that for myself. I know that's a really important lesson. but, But ultimately, when it comes to God, when it comes to worshiping God, when it comes to praising God, our circumstances are like mattresses. They're not meant to be on top of us. But one of the amazing things about knowing God is that there is always hope. Always, always hope. Whenever everything seems lost, God still remains. And he is going through the pain and the difficult experiences with us. Now, last year, um, with one of my college modules, um, Rich and I, we went on a field trip. And um, we went on a field trip to Croydon Crematorium. Yes, Spurgeons do know how to give us a good time. Um, but I remember there was somebody... From our group, um, this has stuck with me um, since, by the way, since last year. There was somebody from our group who, who, who asked the chap who was giving us a guided tour of the premises how he copes working with people who are grieving day in and day out. And remarkably, um, the chap who was giving us the, the tour he, he replied that burials of Christian families, he finds, are far easier than the burials of those that are not Christians. And he said, although everybody shows grief in different ways, you know, even Christians cry and wail and so on, but yet, even, but yet with Christian burials, with Christian deaths, there was still a deep sense of peace, a deep sense of hope behind that grief, behind the, the immediate sorrow. That there was still something bigger, that there was still something better that that loved one. Was experiencing now. We can still hold on to that strong sense of hope that there is something far better, something far greater than what we will ever experience on this earth. But thirdly, um, I think Jonah teaches us that we are to see these uncertain times as a chance to learn. Because we see this in Jonah as his time in the belly of the fish He takes conscious steps to change his direction and to focus back on God. And to focus back on God with thanksgiving. Now is it easy to give thanksgiving to God in difficult times? Is it easy to make sacrifices to God amidst such uncertainty? It certainly isn't. It certainly is not. But what we can see from Jonah is that choosing to praise God despite our circumstances is incredibly powerful and in fact it is a brilliant characteristic of the christian faith that we can learn and that we can learn to develop because i think it's part of the very recipe in getting to a place where we can find joy in the lord we see in verse 9 that Jonah he makes a vow to praise God in these difficult times and it is in those difficult times where God can be working so faithfully in us and through us. We might not see it now. We might not see it immediately at the end of the difficult times. But I'm sure that we can look back on our lives and, and see an uncertain time and see how God worked in you and through you. I wonder if you're able to think of that, um, to think of that time. Think of a time where God so clearly worked in you and through you. But what we see in many ways here, in this chapter of Jonah, it is a reflection of every believer's life. Every believer's life on earth, after salvation, but before its fulfillment. Jonah had been saved, but he hadn't been saved to the ultimate safety of dry land. He is not drowned as he expected, but he was found by unexpected grace and mercy. Because the insides of God's fish, it ought to have brought death to Jonah, but it became a place of relative safety, a place where he was found by unexpected grace and mercy, even though he mostly afflicted this upon himself. Yet Jonah, he still suffers difficulties. He still suffers the uncertainties of everyday life, not knowing if he's going to live or die. But it is in this place, the belly, the most difficult time, the most uncertain time, that he turns back to Yahweh, acknowledges his salvation, even though he has not yet resolved um, the questions regarding his calling to Nineveh. And we see that at the end of of chapter 2, God, brought Jonah, out of this difficult time. He brought him out of the whale, and God still used Jonah. God still used Jonah to go to the Ninevites. And that is the amazing God that we serve.